0: This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic. Well, welcome to another episode of the Grow My Clinic podcast. My name's Jack O'Brien, lovely to be with you today, and we have a guest with us. We have Stephen King from Movement Assessment Technologies, or commonly known as Matt. Steve, how are you today? Very good, Jack. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Let's uh, let's dig into it, and we'll get straight into your story. We'll touch on the the map stuff later, and and your podcast, and all sorts of different things. But first of all, let's learn a little bit about you. I think you're you would be considered unique, I guess, <laughs> in in the positive sense. In the ter- in the sense that you're a you're a dual qualified professional. dual a qualified therapist. Do you want to run us through your background a little bit, where you studied and what your credentials are?
1: Yeah, I guess unique is probably one of the nicer things I've been called over <laughs> the years. So that's uh, that's okay. I don't mind being called unique, Jack. Uh, So, look, my background is, you know, I went straight from uh, high school uh, and I actually got into a master's or a bachelor and master's of uh, arts and commerce. Uh, So, I decided I wasn't quite sure if that was for me. So, I took a year off and went and lived in Italy for a year, Um, just, you know, living in a little medieval hilltop town where no one else spoke English. Yeah, that must have been tough. It was tough. (laughs) Uh, Picked up my language skills uh, very well, but along the way, I sort of realised, look, the business aspect for me probably isn't, you know, where I wanted to go, which is quite ironic now what I see myself sure. doing, you know, 95% of the day. But yeah. I decided for me that wasn't the path I wanted to take and you know, I wanted to, always had a passion for sports, had a passion for the body and for health. Uh, and so for me, I ended up doing my Bachelor and Master's in Osteopathy for five years at Vicki Union. Right. I uh, got out of that course and... I realized that there was something I was missing while I was working as an osteopath, I was working as a personal, uh, so while I was studying as an osteopath, sorry, I was working as a personal trainer sure. and I really struggled to take those patients who I was, you know, training and put them on the treatment table. And then those patients that I was treating on the table when I graduated from osteopathy, I had trouble getting them movie again. So look, I got a little bit disillusioned. I sort of went, you know, looking for something else. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty common in those first few years out of practice. And I went back and did my master's in physiotherapy uh, at the UniSA. So I packed up all my bags, moved from Melbourne to South Australia for a couple mm-hmm. of years and uh, hoping that that would help me bridge the gap which it did you know it helped me a little bit in regards to movement but mainly in regards to clinical reasoning you know communication uh, and obviously pain science with the noise group being based there but it probably still didn't quite satisfy the needs that i was looking for so i went back traveling went over to the usa went over to the uk and did a lot of movement-based courses there mm-hmm. and that started to bring it together for me to you
0: know where i am now yeah right interesting so let's touch back on that history i think Uh, A lot of practice owners and listeners of this podcast are, we're all health professionals, but we get that frustration, that friction, that tension that leads us to either buy a business or start our own clinic. How far into your osteo journey was that friction where you decided to do something?
1: Yeah, so I realised that was pretty early. That was in the first sort of, you know, 12 months of being out in practice. I couldn't see myself being stuck in this little three-by-three three, uh, treatment room forever. Uh, I knew that, you know, I'd started looking into, you know, starting up my own practice or, um, you know, going back and doing masters in um, strength and conditioning Um, but then I ended up in in physiotherapy and, you know, I get two or three emails a month now from other graduates in the first, you know, typically two to three years out who have, you know, similar issues, uh, and similar feelings in the practice. It wasn't that I wasn't working in a great practice. Like I was working with some really good people, you know, some good mentors who, Probably didn't have the time, uh, the time when I was there to be able to, you know, mentor properly. And I probably mm-hmm. found, like, being on your own in a little treatment room without a lot of, you know, support, a lot of guidance around you, I, didn't, I couldn't really see a pathway forward in osteopathy.
0: Sure. So why a physio then? Some would say that that's, um, that's blasphemy <laughs> or the like. Why physio? Yeah, definitely crossed to the dark side as most of the
1: osteos. Uh, like to lots of my osteo mates like to remind me. Uh, look, for me, I, I saw it as a way. It had you know, there's lots of more career options. There's some good pathways in place. I think in physiotherapy, it's much more established. And sure. you know, I think the uh, the APA does a good job in regards to setting up some of those pathways. Um, you know, for physios, whether it's sports or whether it's a neurological, uh, whether it's going into the hospital space, there's lots of different uh, avenues. You know, for physiotherapists. Uh, who probably don't come out of university a higher level as the
0: osteopaths. This might be a little little bit controversial. Um, I've heard you mention that before. So that's around like clinical hours and level of expertise essentially? Yeah, exactly right. So especially in regards to
1: the musculoskeletal space, I think
0: physiotherapists come out, You know,
1: we've had a a few start with us over the last, um, you know, 12 months or so, and they've had five weeks of placement. They're lucky to have seen, you know, 10 patients over that time. Whereas the osteopaths come out with, you know, five years of musculoskeletal specific study and have seen over 200 patients and done, you know, two five-hour clinic shifts a week for the last two years of their course. So there's a huge difference between uh, where the university finishes for physiotherapy when the university finishes for osteopathy. But I think then once they finish... Physiotherapy has that pathway to take people, you know, beyond uh, that study and really build a career.
0: Mm, sure. And so it, it sounds like then you've you packed your bags again and gone traveling all, all around the world and with a real flavor on assessment movement type stuff. What was the motivation behind that?
1: Yeah, look, the movement based stuff was probably the thing that attracted me at first, but I realized look, you can do all this great movement based, um, you know, approach. But I felt like I was still guessing. I didn't really know if my patients or clients were actually getting better. Sure. Uh, so that's where I started looking a little bit more into assessment. And I realized, you know, said back when I was, uh, you know, got out from osteopathy, that I really struggled, you know, those assessments that I've been taught through osteopathy, which is similar to physiotherapy and lots sure. of other professions, you know, very table-based, very isolated. They're not really looking at movement at all. And there's a big gap between, again, what we're doing in assessment and then what the person's going out and doing the field. So I started to look a lot into functional performance testing, you know, different ways to test strength and power and balance and look at functional movements and those type of things. Um, and that started to really, you know, spark my interest, I guess. And I was lucky at the time that, you know, one of my you know, colleagues, my business partner now, Andrew Lemon, sort of had similar feelings um, and he was really looking to, uh, you know, start to move into that space as well. Start to, you know, differentiate ourselves from the, you know, from other therapists out there, but also just give, uh, give ourselves a better understanding of actually what's happening with our patients and clients.
0: And at this time, did you have a clinic of your own, or you were working private practice at all?
1: No, so I was still working in private practice. So I'd finished uh, my physiotherapy masters. Then wow. I'd moved back, uh, moved back out of Adelaide the next day. Uh, You wouldn't be the first one. No, no, (laughs) probably not. Uh, So I moved back to Melbourne. Worked in a practice, you know, busy, um, you know, multidisciplinary practice. um, But just felt that I was quite limited by, one, the treatment times. They were treating on, you know, 20-minute schedules, which, you know, in my opinion, you can't really achieve a lot in. Um, and didn't really have a setup beyond that, you know, three by three treatment room again, to be able to take patients further. You know, I felt that I was taking someone, someone's coming in with pain or, you know, dysfunction. I don't like that word necessarily, sure. but that pain or dysfunction and, you know, they wanted to get back to the activities that, you know, they need, you know, want or love to do. And I felt that I was only getting people, you know, and patients a certain way along that spectrum in that environment. So I wanted, you know, we eventually decided we wanted to create an environment where we could take people a little bit further.
0: Okay. And so you, you do all this learning, you, you pull it all together. And I think like a lot of us, we, our, our method of practice is a conglomerate of all the different learnings that we've made across the, uh, across the journey of professional development. What led you to bottling that up into what is now Movement Assessment Technologies?
1: I guess it came from a few of our colleagues, um, you know, sort of wanting to know. We initially, um, you know, started drawing on a yoga mat. I think a lot of people will know us from the mat, the movement assessment tool. You know, a lot of people, um, a few of our mates just said, that's a pretty good idea. You know, you can see how Pete, you're improving the way people, you know, balance or the way that they lunge or squat um, or their flexibility. And they wanted to know a little bit more. So we thought, oh, it's a little opportunity here. We'll run a little course for just for 10, you know, really close colleagues that we went through university with. And then... Off the back of that, they went and told you know a few people, and so we ended up running a course you know three or four months later for another group of you know small group of ten to twelve people, and then over the course of the year we decided let's have a try in a couple other markets, so we went up to um, Sydney and went back over to Adelaide as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know fortunate enough someone spotted us on social media uh, over in Asia and got our sort of first big break over there, Uh, invited us over there, and we started to see that you know, there is a need for this. People are having the same feelings that we were both having in our practice um, and that it really, you know, helps people with their clinical reasoning, um, what they're doing, um, and hopefully gets, you know, more of their patients better by actually being able to tell objectively whether yeah. people are getting better or not. And we also <laughs> found it was getting great buy-in for our patients and clients.
0: Yeah. That, okay. That's interesting. That's exactly where I was going to go with the next question. We might circle back to the, the side hustle, what's become a fairly big hustle of the mat now. But uh, if we come back to that client experience, creating uh, something like the, the mat and your assessment approach, how did that differentiate you in the eyes of clients? Because do, do clients even care what assessment tools we use?
1: Definitely not. No, most of the time they don't, uh, you know, they don't know what they're going to get, you know, when they walk into a practice, I think. And definitely when they they come into our practice, uh, they just know that, you know, there's something a little bit different, you know, I think is what we often, um, you know, get told about our practice. But, you know, I think, patients just get it like using you know we're big on using objective data you know collect as many numbers as we can and that just allows you to communicate better with patients in a language they you know understand rather than you talk about all these different postural things or you start to talk about these muscles you know not activating again not a phrase i like
0: and all these you know people could see you making the inverted commas with your finger yeah
1: but uh yeah look so, and so we, we you know, i think therapists traditionally speak a language that you know patients don't understand i think numbers are a way that you know enhance the communication and they just you know start to get it i can see the big discrepancies side to side you can then use the latest um data from the literature to you know to back up your decision making and help to educate them about it mm-hmm. um, it really makes it easy for them to get on board with your treatment and your management plan
0: Sure. I think there's a couple of important elements there when it comes to assessment tools, whatever approach you use, that you would communicate in ways that make sense to the client, right? We're about creating experiences for clients where they understand their diagnosis, whether that's pathological or psychosocial. So using language that matters to them uh, and something that you can retest with them that they understand, it creates amazing buy-in, right? at The start of their journey, but then also having something that differentiates you as a clinic. We're we're often dealing with patients who have been to multiple clinics before, different professions, and so having something that stands out, that makes you different, is really important as a clinic owner. So let's come back then to the Matt journey, Steve, and uh, it blew up in, in Asia and all this sort of stuff. So how do you, as a clinic owner, manage running your own busy clinic and also having something on the side? That's a good question.
1: I think I'm still still learning a lot about that, uh, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, we're lucky that there's two of us in a partnership. Uh, I think, we, you know, we've got a partnership between myself and my business partner, Andrew Lemon, that works really well. We've both um, probably got our, you know, strengths and our weaknesses and we sort of know where each other sits and what each other's passions are as well. And so I think that works really nicely. Then the fact that, especially over the last, you know, 12 months, we've been able to give each other, you know, pretty uh, definite roles. Mm-hmm. um to help you know strive everything going towards the, you know the direction that we wanted to go
0: yeah sure and so tell us a little bit more about the mat the
1: mat itself okay, so it's, the mat started out just a simple you know tool we said we started drawing some lines on a yoga mat uh measuring all th- three dimensions of movement basically so been able to measure the distance the angulation and the verticality of any movement and sure. then we started looking more into the research and there's, you know, lots of great evidence-based tests out there in the functional performance testing realm that uh, you can use to collect data in the clinic. So it's really just a simple, portable, uh, easy way to get, you know, for me, pretty meaningful data to, you know, help your clinical decision making, make better decisions about when people can, you know, return to work, return to sport, you know, and allow you to set evidence-based rehabilitation programs off the back of collecting that objective data and then gauge that effectiveness over time to you know motivate people and keep them engaged
0: okay and so it's essentially it's a tool that clinic owners can do the course and then grab the product at the end that allows them to have a really smooth tailored assessment approach for their clients Is that right? yeah exactly right and we have actually
1: just uh today we've just released our new map pro app as well which allows us to um You know, collect data, uh, help to improve the communication. It has some little flags and triggers on there to let you know when someone's falling outside the norms that we might see in the literature or into some of those higher risks of potential injury. You know, a lot of people like to think and predict injury. I think we're a bit naive to do that. But it definitely allows you, you know, in the app to then flag those individuals where you might want to put an intervention into place. And then you know, for us, we want to try and save clinicians as much time as they can. We know it's often difficult to do that. So off the back of that, app, it automatically programs um, you know, the best rehabilitation exercises to um, you know, help your patients get to where they want to go. Yeah, sure. And allow them to, to log in, track their exercises over time uh, to keep them engaged uh, in the rehab process.
0: So you've got a patient-facing side and a clinician-facing side, essentially. Correct. Yeah, great. And so what's the feedback from patients? What do they think about having this extra, uh, when we say extra outside of the consult room experience? So, you know, for us, it's, it's been a new way
1: for us to engage patients. I think we often, you know, found that you know, sometimes the retention, you know, I think a lot of practices struggle with retention rates and people dropping off the management program once they start to get that pain phase. And They start to get, you know, two or three, three or four sessions in, I think is probably the average uh, rebooking rate for physios. But again, I feel just getting someone out of pain is great but it's often not getting them, building them uh, robustly enough to get them back to what they want to do for their daily lives. So allowing them to be able to communicate with you. So through the app, they can communicate, you know, with you by sending instant messages or emails. Uh, and you can do that as well. You know, each week you can log in and you can check how well patients are going with their progress and start to uh, ping them to say, hey, look, I noticed you haven't done too much this week. And they to—they really love that uh, little bit of extra feedback, that extra level of service, which I know you know is something big that you guys are about at Clinic Mastery.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I love that it doesn't really matter what the tool is, whether it's your app or PhysiTrack or some, yep. other, some other app. The point is that we're creating experiences for patients that mean we can, we can help them get the outcomes they want and also the information education. Like you say, how often as clinic owners do we get patients back to maybe out of pain? but not to optimize their performance or I love that word robust around creating healthy individuals that are, you know, robustly performing whatever it is that they need to do. That's um, a great experience that you're creating for patients. Tell me, is it just physios and osteos that are using movement assessment? Uh, no, so we've got professionals
1: from over 10 different professions now using the mats, so, you know, from, you know, chiropractors, you know, physiotherapists, uh, osteos as you mentioned, podiatrists, EPs we get massage therapists, sports therapists, athletic trainers in different you know, markets um, so there's lots of different professions who are you know, speaking the same language and I think that's what data allows us to do, it doesn't matter what data you're collecting um, as long as it's you, know, you think it's meaningful to the patient but that you know, helps you not only communicate with yourself Over time, But also when you're working with other healthcare professionals and starts to get everyone, you know, speaking the same language, you know, we're off to uh, over the next couple of weeks off to nine different countries with I think seven different languages in that time. (laughs) So you've got people, you know, with data enhancing the way, uh, you know, you can commute, I can communicate with this uh, pretty strong Australian accent to people
0: all over the world. Yeah, I love it. Okay, that's fascinating. Nine countries will be uh, a whole lot of fun, no doubt. But can we come back to your clinic and let's make this super relevant for clinic owners. How do you, and and you mentioned that you've had a few new and recent grads come on board. How do you straddle that divide as a clinic owner between creating a a systematic approach to assessment versus letting clinicians have their own reasoning and using their own skill base, uh, developing their own professional approach? How do you straddle that tension?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's the beauty of having data. It just allows you to, you know, any, for us, you know, we say there's no right or wrong to go uh, to go about treating anything uh, or to be able to send you know, there's no one right or wrong exercise to get someone back to where they want to go. And the beauty of having data is it allows you to have that freedom and you can just gauge the effectiveness of what you're doing. So the way I might treat someone for a certain condition is going to be very different to what someone else can do. But as long as we can justify and clinically reason and for us based off reliable objective data, you know, for me, uh, I think that's more liberating because I know, you know as a young grad, I'd come out and I'd think if someone wasn't getting better, it was what I was doing. You know, I'd get them on the table and you know with a sore back and I'd massage them and I'd mobilise them and I'd crack their back. I'd do the best treatment and they'd get back up and they'd bend forward still and they were still feeling pain. Sure. You know, Now you can do that and you can start to measure it and say, oh, actually, you've improved 30 centimetres with your flexion in regards to that, which is something from an assessment that was pretty subjective before. Having that objective data actually you know, shows you, okay, we're on the right path here rather than just reaffirming that, okay, they're still in a painful state, which it's pretty unrealistic to get someone back to pain-free in sort of one 20 or 30-minute session.
0: Yeah, sure. I love that. And the other question I had for you around clinic ownership and leadership, you're you're seeing patients, you're leading a team, you've now got this uh, extra thing on the side. And it's interesting, I was talking with uh, a couple of our clients in Clinic Mastery, speech pathologists, who there's a lot of products in speech pathology, speech therapy apps. How do you manage the different hats? Personally, what have you found helpful as someone juggling clinical, non-clinical business hats?
1: Yeah, look, I think technology uh, is a massive part in that. I think for us, we we found a, a few bits of technology that really make our life simple. You know, for instance, we use from from a business point of view, we, we've moved all our website and all our products um, based stuff to a platform called Kajabi. Um, so for us, from a business point of view, it allows us to automate a lot of what we do. So in regards to our whole website being integrated, then in, you know, with one click into our email marketing into our opt-in forms into our um, product you know different product funnels into uh, our online courses for instance so there's lots of different ways that that you know saves saves us time and allows us to spend more time doing the important things and actually being with the team and um, you know training them and just engaging with them so I think that's really good communication is something we're big on so we mentioned obviously with our app we use Asana a lot and we find that's a really nice platform to allow the team to communicate Uh, And to keep everyone on track, you know, setting goals, uh, not only, you know, for ourselves but Mm -hmm. also for the team and we're big on them setting their own goals to work towards as well Um, and let them drive where they want to go in regards to um, developments. I think that's another really, um, you know, nice bit of technology that we found really useful uh, Mm -hmm. to, you know, help develop them. And then, you know, Google Suite, you know, I think that's another, you know, platform where everyone can collaborate on documents and you know, integ- integrate with your calendars and all those type of things, arrange meetings so I work from, you know, home as um this morning but still you know, collaborate with the team or with, uh, with Andrew on certain documents. So you can work literally, I'll be doing that uh, from Dubai in a bit over 24 hours' time. Yep. Um, and so the beauty, it opens up the world to you, I think. And as we start to look more into you know, virtual consultations and, and those type of things, I think, mm-hmm. um, with technology, it's really going to open up the world to your practice rather than take you from just a local suburb-based clinic to a worldwide clinic.
0: It's interesting. And let, let's just touch on that just once more, whether it's, uh, you know, Google, Asana, Kajabi. We've created some episodes earlier on in the podcast around how to use Asana and Google. So you can check back through the, the episode library there. But even extending out through to your movement assessment tool, you're a, you're a clinician, right? We're all clinicians listening to this and we've, we've happened into becoming clinic owners. Yep. How do you integrate technology when you're not a tech geek? I think it's just persistence a lot of the time. Uh, There's a lot of, uh, you
1: know, failures. Um, You know, there's a lot of adaptation. just, you know, for us, we're quick to adopt. I think, you know, you've got to be quick to adopt, but you've also got to be quick to fail as well. Find what works for you and what doesn't work for you and pick that, you know, pick that particular technique. Try and stay with it for a little while. Give it a chance to fully integrate. If it's not working, look to change again. Uh, but don't be afraid to outsource stuff too. I think that's something that we don't do enough as business owners is to get other people in as well. And I think I know a lot of clinic owners and a lot of my friends have opened clinics, you know, so we just can't afford to do that. I'm like, well, what could you be doing with those five hours that you're spending on your zero accounting, you know, which is 25 hours doing your website, mm-hmm. if you could be outsourcing these things to, to other people mm-hmm. you know, who have expertise in that area too. So don't be afraid to delegate.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it speaks to something higher around whether it's outsourcing to a VA or just going through the friction of changing to a new software. At the end of the day, if our goal is to create amazing experiences for our clients, yeah. then you will push through the friction and the challenge of testing a new software or onboarding a new VA or whatever that looks like because it's client experiences that really are the the, the end goal. So it doesn't matter what it takes to get there.
1: Yeah, you've got to, you know, leave someone feeling, you know, you have, you've got to walk from the moment they interact with your clinic, you know, you've got to have them feeling this is something different, this is something special we're a part of. So and I think technology allows you to do that. Before, even before they come in, it allows you to leverage maybe your skills as a business owner. You know, if you're finding you're having trouble getting people in with, you know, some of your younger or newer staff members. If you know, you often the owners have the books full for weeks. If you're struggling to do that, leverage yourself in the technology. You know, there's lots of ways right. you can do that now with, you know, videos before people come in through you know, technology. Which I know you guys are big with, like clinic apps and those yeah. type of things. You know, through our uh, software, there's different welcome videos and stuff. where you can leverage your expertise mm-hmm. and, and provide education to your, all your patient list uh, yep. without actually servicing them
0: yourselves spot on that's it's uh, very insightful steve thank you so much for your time if people want to learn more about you know, you know and your journey or uh, the movement assessment stuff where should they head
1: uh, best place to head head to matassessment.com uh, so that's our website you'll find lots of information on there about our our courses about our journey um, You'll also find links to our uh, to my podcast the 21st century physio podcast and the new uh, matt pro app as well
0: fantastic mate thank you so much for your time listeners we'll have all the show notes over at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast all the links and everything that we've mentioned in this chat you'll be able to find over there and you can jump on our free grow my clinic course if you want to take your clinic to the next level and create amazing client experiences steve thank you for your time listeners thank you for your earbuds and we look forward to bring you another episode really soon This is the Grow My Clinic podcast by Clinic Mastery, where we help you deliver amazing client experiences to grow your clinic.